We're in the Gospel of John this morning, so if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there, we're in John chapter 4. What we get to do today is one of the most amazing stories in the whole Bible. It is fantastic, and you probably know it and are at least familiar with it. It's Jesus and the woman at the well. Who hasn't heard that story? I've probably heard it a hundred times or maybe maybe 200 or 300, so many times. And like the air, I start to take it for granted and I start maybe to miss what it's about. And in fact, I don't even necessarily get the context. These stories are so important because of the context you got to If I told you, John walked the dog, you'd be like, oh, that's really nice. John did it, not Sally. But if I started by telling you that John's been in a wheelchair his whole life, he's never been able to move his toes, and all of a sudden he got up, it was amazing. He took the leash, John walked the dog. You'd be like, whoa, that's kind of remarkable. I think I'd really like to know about more about how he did that. What happened? What's going on? Why it's there? And you'd start to get maybe a little deeper knowledge of the happenings that are going on. And, and I think this today is like that for you and me that we would suddenly be excited about this text, that it would come alive for you, that it's more than just a story. You know, many times the, th- the writings of the Bible, because we, we, we exalt them and we venerate them rightly, we start to lose their amazing, wonderful narrative, the scenes. And what we've had so far in John, right? Walk with me for a minute. It's, we're only in chapter 4, but it's this amazing presentation of a very unusual Messiah. And John's taking great care to present him to you in these pieces that go, whoa, this is not what I would have thought. The message of a coming Messiah would be this water purification to wine of new life, this born again by water and spirit, something entirely new is happening. It's Jesus. There's a kind of mystery about him. And and in fact, so far, he hasn't even said he's the Messiah anywhere in the text. He does that today. So this today, to me, should, should radically affect how you and I think of our relationship with Jesus, what it looks like. And, and especially if you wonder or struggle at all with guilt, with shame, with understanding who you are in Christ and how, how that starts to invade your life because Jesus has come and he goes after you and me. And, and I, I want to show you. You've got to hear the story, though. So today I'm going to try and show you the story by bringing it out. And, and if you've never seen, if you've seen this, fine, you'll enjoy it some more. But if you've never seen The Chosen, the culmination of that eight-part series, it's a modern telling of Jesus' life, has the scene we're talking about today. And we're going to watch it together in pieces. Because I feel like you need to see the story. You need to hear the text. The text is the word of God. But the text is trying to tell a story of what's going on. So I invite you to engage with that. And we first we want to do, we're talking about the Savior of the world. That's Jesus. But as soon as I say it, Jesus is the Savior of the world. Can I get an amen? Everybody believes Jesus is the Savior of the world. It doesn't, I don't feel it. I want you to feel it this morning. Okay, so first we've got to put a frame in. We've got to understand the frame of the encounter that's going to happen. So the scene's going to come up. This is a new scene in the Bible, John 4 is. So the curtain comes up, and we see 
And so I just want you to watch with me this little introduction as Jesus comes to the well where he's going to meet this woman. Here we go. the last of Salome's bread last night. Master, we need to go into town for food. We can use the gold left for us at the fountain. Very well. There's a town about a mile west. Sikar. You all go. I'll wait here. Someone should stay with you. In case. I'm all right. Meet me at that well when you come back. At the time that this happened, oboes were not playing. There weren't strings plucking. Those, that's not happening. But the issue is, how did Jesus get, and so you get a feel for Jesus actually getting alone at this well. And you, you have to understand, the, this is going to frame what's going on today. Because it's super important to understand how he's there. And I think just if you have your Bibles and want to look, this is chapter 4, verse 1. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although really his disciples were, were doing the baptizing. So he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So this scene where Jesus walks up this hill to this well isn't a random well in a random place. And Jesus didn't come there randomly. It is a planned, exact, amazing thing that puts the Savior of the world alone at a well in the middle of Samaria. It's absolutely remarkable. It says he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar and the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So if you just read that in the Bible, okay, great. It tells us that Jesus got there and he sat. And you miss this whole amazing thing, that the whole story starts with Jesus is unwilling to say he's the Messiah. That's what the start is, right? The Pharisees are going after him, going, wow, we've heard. We've got to go investigate Jesus. We've got to learn more about him. There's these amazing things going on. And so what does Jesus do? He tells his disciples, let's go camping. They, they head out of town. They go hide in the woods, right? No, but they take a journey, it says. So they take a journey out of Judea, and they're walking. And, and always, if you're a Jew, and you're going to go walk to this area he's going to, you go take this detour around this place called Samaria. Samaritans are heretical, 
terrible people to be avoided. Why? Well, if you're a good Jew, if you follow the Bible. Because people that follow the Bible, people that understand the Old Testament, people there realize that the Samaritans were the, this whole area, people that actually supported the, the Seleucids against the Jews. They fought against them. And way back in the day, they mixed with other wives that they weren't supposed to mix with. They stayed in the area when Israel went into captivity. They, they kind of sold out God. And, and so they made their own area to have a temple in. And they started fighting back and forth. Horrible things that happened between these two. And, and in fact, they wouldn't talk to each other. They wouldn't look at each other. They wouldn't be near each other. And, and then you had this. You had this, you had this Jesus, and he had to pastor some. No, he didn't. Everybody goes around it. This is another example of that divine must. I must go here. Jesus must go here. And the reason, one of the reasons he must go there is right there in verse 5. It's where Jacob, wait a minute. Where is this well exactly that Jesus ends up in? It's the very plot of land. You know where Jacob wrestled with God? Jacob was a trickster. Back in Genesis 33, Genesis was Jacob was a person who, who who kind of skirted around and tried to manage everything and was not very honorable or not very moral and he he's he's cheating people out of different things and then he had an encounter with God where he wrestled with him all night and God touched his hip and maimed him so he couldn't walk very far anymore so he went only a little ways and then he bought a piece of land. And on that piece of land is where Joseph eventually came back from Egypt and was buried there. A special place. And yeah, they would have dug a well. Yeah, it would have been a place where Jacob actually was, where Jacob was renamed to be, what was his name, his new name? Israel. So here comes the Savior of the world. And he goes to the place that Jacob wrestled with God. And where 1,500 years ago, Jacob had settled. And he comes to this well where there's the many, 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 many generations of Jacob. Mixed up, wrong thinking, totally lost. And he sits down at this well. In fact, very clear, though I love that little piece, is because Jesus puts his eyes on this well and says, you guys, go get your food. I'll see you in a bit. And he goes and he sits down at the well. Deep history to the well. Amazing sovereign plan of God. What is he doing? This is what he's doing. Okay, he's going to have an encounter. It's the middle of the day. There's no one else around. He's alone. Let's watch the, at least the beginning of the encounter. Here it is. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. 
You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out alone in the heat. You have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Wood. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. This is the thing, right? So he encounters this woman. And I, I hope you see from the, the, they're taking a few liberties with the text. They're putting in some ideas, but they're catching the flavor that sometimes you miss if you just read the words. They're catching this idea that the woman is interacting with Jesus and he's being amazing to even say boo to her. They just wouldn't happen. And you know and I know that this is actually Jesus, the Son of God. He's holy. He's ama- And he's talking to this woman. Woman, you don't do it. And he's being kind. God to interact with her. And she's being uh, feisty, I, I guess you could say. Certainly pokey. She's not going, oh, yeah, you're, uh, let me give you some water. That's what I should do. She's going like, who are you? I don't got to deal with you. I don't want to deal with you. And she starts poking back at him, right? You kind of miss that if you look at the text and you don't think about it. This amazing piece right there. She's not the right anything. This woman that he came, and you can see that he came there to meet her. She's not the right person. It's not so much that she's a Samaritan. She's totally off theologically. It's not so much that she's an outcast in her own society, which is brought out a little, but we'll see more of. It's not that she's a woman and women and men didn't interact. I mean, I even get a little bit like, oh, Jesus, you should have a monitor with you while you're talking to a person of the opposite sex. It's that this is God and she's being like sarcastic. And feisty and unbelieving, and she's down and out. And Jesus breaks in, right? Give me a drink, he says. He doesn't go, he, he doesn't go, let her push him away. He's come to interact with her. And he does. He's getting to something, and you saw it there, then this offer that there's this life 
The water of life, if you just drink it, drink it, it, it actually springs up in you to eternal life. And this is the place where Jacob wrestled with God. And do you start to see? This is a greater thing. She's wrestling with God. She's interacting with God. And she's not saying, oh, yes, you're the Savior of the world. She doesn't even know she is. But she's there, this, this, this picture of perseverance and wrestling with God. Now here's this woman, uh, 1,500 years later, she's wrestling with God. And it's a greater picture because it's Jesus. It's amazing. I just I want to show you from the text there because that's her question. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank for it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. This is her kind of pushing back at him, this guy who's talking to her, and he's saying stuff that makes her uncomfortable. So this well is from Jacob himself. He gave it to us. Yeah, Jacob, right? And Jesus gives water. It doesn't just cure thirst. Jesus gives water that springs up and overflows and does exactly what jesus wants it to if you drink this living water jesus says it makes you a spring he's talking to a dry dirty no and he's talking about this incredible truth of simple trust in his salvation right His work, not ours. His goodness, not ours. Trust that. That's the water that you can drink. The woman says, well, I'd I'd rather not come out here and draw water anymore. That's, That's what she says there. Well, let me say, Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him will never be thirsty again. This is Jesus actually offering salvation. There says, hey, drink of me. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she says, okay, give me this water so I won't be thirsty. I have to come here to try. That's the, when you say prove it. <laughs> okay, give it to me. Fine. I don't want to come out here and draw water in the heat of the day when everyone's, I'm an outcast. Give me it. I'll never have to drink water again. And this is when Jesus says this amazing thing to make sure you see and that I see as we're watching the scene. He wants you to see. He wants you to see. She's totally unworthy of anything. Because when she says, prove it, he says this. He says, go ahead. Call your husband. I'll give it to you. An amazing thing. Go call your husband and come here because that idea is yeah, his, Jesus saying, okay, you want proof? You want me to give it to you? I'll give it to you. Go get your husband. What is he highlighting? That she doesn't have a husband. She comes out and says it. The, the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, yeah, you're right, saying I don't have, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. So number six. What you have said is true. This is a burn, man. You're unworthy. Your your background doesn't stack up. Your role doesn't stack up. Your morality most certainly doesn't stack up. You have nothing to commend yourself to me. But don't miss what he said there right at the end. What you have said is what? True. What's true? She's not worthy. She doesn't have it. She has nothing to offer Jesus. And when the woman tries to deflect, Jesus goes right into her heart, says, you've got nothing. So she tries to change the subject. She says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. 
yeah, let's change the topic really fast from my unworthiness to let's get him caught up in something. And Jesus, he doesn't give one bit on her unworthiness. What does he do? He goes even further. He says, yeah, you're right. Hey, look, he said to a woman, well, did I? Yeah, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem where you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. You're totally lost. We worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That this is the core of what Jesus is saying and saying to you that, that no longer a place, even the wrong place, no longer the spot that you're going to pick. It's like you can worship in spirit and truth. What's the spirit, the Holy Spirit that can come and, and, and come to you, your heart, not your externals, and truth that you have nothing to offer God. You're just amazed that he would seek and save you. That's the truth that he says to this terrible person. She doesn't really get it. She's not seeking. It's the father seeking her, right? Oh, the unworthy of society, the unworthy according to the law. This is the best measurement there is, the law. And the law says to all of us, we're unworthy. So the woman says, well, I know Messiah is coming. He who's called Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us all these things. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. I guess because we already know he's the Savior, we don't realize the incredible thing that this is the first time Jesus has told that to anyone publicly. He's the Messiah. This is an incredible revelation. First time in John. First here to this woman, this multi-marriage, immoral, downtrodden, rejected, heretical woman. She gets Jesus telling her who he is. Cain, even when I present that to you and I try and build it up for you, to see it. So come, let's see it. Here it is. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it 
in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshipper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes, it explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. Passage, right? And you start to see, you start to come out as it, as it comes out, that what people hear, even in our message, you say, hey, Jesus Christ has come. She's received something fantastic from God. What is it? Jesus is speaking to her. To her alone, God of the universe has come to talk and interact with her. And, and, and she's got this great gift that I wish I would have, that you probably wish you. I, I'd love four minutes alone with Jesus. <laughs> Let's do it. She gets it. What a great, great gift. But all she can hear, even as you say, hey, God is for you, and, all, and, 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 and you're wrong in what you're thinking, all she hears, and perhaps rightly so, is condemnation. Because that's what the law does. That's what talking to people about how they should be or how they ought to be. And what she hears of Jesus is this condemnation. And says, well, when the Messiah comes, and then Jesus says, that's me. Wow. And again, he's come all this way to do this with this person, this incredible start to his ministry. At Jacob's well, he wrestles with her unworthiness, her resistance, her sarcasm, her hurt, her twisted life. And, and, and she's going she's gonna to go off rejoicing. Let's finish. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. <sighs> and you know these things... Because you are the Christ.
I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. You promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> You forgot your arm. Jesus does. Pretty amazing. They took some liberties. So, but, but the reality is he's the Messiah, and he's telling her things that only he would know. And he does that, and then what happens? She's like, oh, he breaks through. And what I hope you would see is that it's Jesus doing everything. It's Jesus breaking into her resistance, Jesus coming and, and showing her, Jesus, Jesus starting what's going to be his ministry. And the most amazing thing is, where is his true ministry of him as the Messiah? Where is it starting? In Samaria. In the very place that a Jew would never, ever be. And I'm telling you, that's who you... Mm, Guys are so quiet. We should be rejoicing in the streets together because it's amazing. Us going, I met this Jesus. Because if there's a place that's like Samaria, it's us. We're Gentile nobodies. We don't deserve God. We don't even deserve to be ever looked at by Him. We 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 didn't have, weren't children of the promise in any sense of being in the right lineage of being of Abraham in a in in some some sort of genetic sense or even in some cultural sense or even in some, any way that we're following and keeping the law. And yet, Jesus comes to who? To us. Christ has come to me. Christ has come to you. The most amazing thing ever. And he's done it. And he says, my gift is for you. Just trust me. And if you can see it, that kind of rejoicing is what happens. And I, I, I just, I want to close this. I called it the wrap. And I know we need to be done. And I was, it's kind of an experiment to do so many clips. So forgive me if it's, if it's jarring. But you need to see even this whole scene. And I want to take you to the end of it, which is verse 42. Is Jesus wraps up the scene. Saying, this is my food. To come and see this wonderful, amazing salvation coming to people who don't deserve it. This is why I came. Not to go get food in Sikar, not to get my, my nice meal set, but, but I'm telling you that this is so incredible what's about to happen right now. So see the end of this as it goes. Uh, Rabbi, we got food. What would you like? Ah, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Who got you food? Wait a minute. You told her? Mm-hmm. And she can tell others? What food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to accomplish his work. Y- you told her who you are? Mm-hmm. So does that mean... It means we're going to stay here a couple of days. It's been a long time of sowing. But the fields are ripe for harvest. And so it's time. Let's go. Yes! <laughs>
Okay, you got to see this is the start, and, and whether they stylize it or it gets into our heart a little bit more, that Jesus is starting his public ministry, and he's going to stay in Samaria, and people are going to get saved. Because this is the food of Jesus. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Jesus didn't like, oh, no, I can't stay with you. You're Samaritan. He said, yes. And and many more believed because of his word. This is awesome and wonderful. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the Savior of the world. And I just hope this morning, as we come together and we start to see the beginning of Jesus' ministry, that the frame that's set is Jesus sets his face to go to the unworthy, unwashed heathen, And he decides that he's going to first set his favor and joy on this woman who's living with someone after five marriages in the middle of the day because she's rejected. And it's so not to Jesus. And Jesus comes to the lost and the least and the little and to you and me. And this is what he's about, is proclaiming the wonder that he's done it all. And if you'll just believe him, forgiveness, full and free, salvation, promised forever, eternal life that will spring up out of you simply because you believe in Jesus. (laughs) This is our today. Oh, we have a great Savior. Would you pray with me?